Hey everybody, my name is Casey Tigret. I am a pastor in Chicago at Parkview Christian Church, and I'm also an author and a spiritual director. And it's just, it's a real blessing to be with you all. I'm friends with Aaron, which I don't know what that does for you. That may, that may raise me in your eyes, it may lower, I don't know what it is, but uh, Aaron and I have been friends for some time, and it's really good to be with you, especially in this series uh, called Try This at Home. Uh, one of the things that I like to tell people about myself is I have a big weight loss story in my past. And actually, uh, it takes place around 2010, and I decided that I was going to run the Chicago Marathon. Now, you can't really tell this, but uh, I am, I'm a stocky Irish guy, and we really aren't built for distance running. Uh, that's, that's not what we do. Uh, so when I started thinking about running a marathon, I thought, I really want to do this but I cannot imagine how this thing is going to happen. And so what I did was I got a training plan and over 18 weeks of like a little bit of running every day, I built up and built up and finally was, was able to do the marathon and I still hurt now, so I'm never going to do it again, but I did it once and that's all that matters. There are so many things I think that a lot of us would love to be able to do. There's so many things we would love to be true of us. We'd love to be more patient. We'd love to be wiser. We'd love to be able to handle difficult situations with grace. And so what we do is we say, we're just going to try hard when those things come up. We're just going to try really hard to do the right thing. And, and sometimes we do it and we succeed. We feel good about ourselves. Sometimes we kind of halfway succeed. And then other times we just fail. And when we fail, guilt grabs a hold of us in it. And we just say, I guess, I guess I'm just not one of those people. I guess I just can't do it. But that's why we train. That's why I trained for the marathon. Listen, if I had just shown up that morning to the Chicago Marathon and decided to run it, let me let you in on a secret. I would have been hospitalized or worse. People don't just try to speak Spanish. They learn to speak Spanish. And so when it comes to the spiritual life, we have these spiritual practices, these things we get to try at home. And the reason we practice is so we can get better so that we can live as we are invited by God to live in a natural and free-flowing way. And so I want to talk about a practice that's been helpful for me over the last few months. And I don't know if you know this, but there's been this massive pandemic going on around us, COVID-19. I don't know if you know this, you probably do because of what's going on in your city. There's been uh, an upheaval because of the death of George Floyd. There's been a lot of things happening. There's been a lot of noise happening around us, good noise that, that we need to hear and, and also other kinds of noise that we can't avoid hearing. And I've noticed that during this time, I've actually taken in quite a bit more technology and news and media and information than, I, than I've taken in in a long, long time. And the stats that are coming out now are saying that in the U.S., we actually began consuming around 45% more news, more cable, and more Netflix are streaming during this pandemic. Now, come on, that makes sense. I mean, we're, we're all stuck at home and you know, Disney Plus and your kids need to do something because school is over at like 10.30. But we did it also because we needed some distraction. And that's what distraction is. It's noise that draws our attention away. And listen, distraction can be really helpful. I mean, I may not have finished this message that I'm giving you today without an alert from my calendar taking me away from another thing I was doing so that I could do this. So that's what a, that's what a notification is. It's, it's a distraction. It draws us out to do something else. But a life of distraction, it's not what we're made for. We were designed to hear this deeper 
more significant thing going on all around us all the time. And it requires a clearing away of the distractions and of the noise. And so the practice that has helped me most during these days of crisis in our country, these days of pandemic, is the practice of quiet. And I want to distinguish something really quickly. Quiet isn't the absence of all noise. I mean, you can say quiet or you can say silence. It doesn't really matter. But even silence isn't completely silent. One of my favorite places to practice this time of quiet is my backyard. We have a closed-in porch, and so I'll open the windows and sit there. And even early in the morning, there's the sound of red-winged blackbirds and cardinals. And so it's not silent, but it is quiet. Quiet isn't silence. It's a way of intentionally ordering the sound of our lives. There's always sound in our lives. Quiet is just putting that in order. So practicing quiet means that I turn off my phone, I shut down anything in the house that dings or uses notifications, and I'll come back to those later in the day because it's part of my life. But for now, for that moment of quiet, I'm ordering the sound around me so I can protect it and enter into a time of quiet. Now, why does that practice matter? There's a, a story in the Bible that I, I think is really helpful as we think about this idea of quiet. There was a man, a prophet named Elijah, and he's one of the foremost prophets in the Bible history. And he's taken on people in power, kings, he's done amazing things, but there's a moment in his life where he hits the wall. And, and I wonder if you would identify with this. There were forces beyond him that were threatening him. And he didn't feel like there was a whole lot of hope. There was actually a hit out on his life, like a mafia kind of hit, put out by a powerful queen named Jezebel. And the scripture says, then he was afraid when he heard about this. And he got up and he fled for his life. And he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. So he's traveling with somebody else and he leaves him there. But he himself, Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and he sat down under a solitary broom tree. And he asked that he might die. He said, it's enough now, O Lord. Just take away my life for I'm no better than my ancestors. He goes into the wilderness, he goes by himself, and wilderness is a quiet place. They also call it a desolate place. And throughout the Bible, it's a place where people wrestle with themselves, their own spirits, their own lives. It's a place where they wrestle with God. It's a place where they wrestle with situations. And it's often a place where people figure things out. Now, I don't know about you, but there've been a lot of moments for me over the last two to three months where I've just, I've just been trying to figure things out. What in the world is going on? How are we going to process the questions that the racist moment in front of us is asking us to process? How, how are we going to deal with a world that's reeling from a pandemic? I've been just trying to figure a lot of things out. And I wonder if Elijah felt the same way, different circumstances. I mean, did he feel helpless? Did he feel exhausted? It's clear that he felt like everything he could do, he did it, and he still came up short. He was ready to give up. And I don't know if you, if you know what that feels like. Like these kids that you've been given to parent, you feel like they've just gone crazy and it's your fault. Or this marriage that you've been given to tend and steward isn't going like you thought it would. Or this career, this calling that's on you, it just hasn't turned out the way you had expected. And you're like, I just... I'm done, like I'm out. I hit the wall, I've tapped. And I love what happens in the passage. Elijah goes under this tree and he falls asleep. 
and then an angel wakes him up, you know, like you do. And then he eats, and then he sleeps. And then the angel wakes him up again, and he eats again, and then he goes on a long journey to a place called Mount Horeb. Now, historically, this is a place where people meet with God. And when Elijah gets there, the voice of God meets him and says, what are you doing here? He goes into a place where people meet with God, and God says, what are you doing here? Maybe that's the question you're asking yourself this morning. What, what am I doing here? What am I doing in the midst of all this noise? What am I doing here? And Elijah says, I have been very zealous for the Lord. He's pleading his case. I've been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites, they've forsaken your covenant. The people I was supposed to fix, I could not fix them. They have done horrible things like thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets, of which I'm one of them, but I'm still here with the sword. And I alone am left and they are seeking my life to take it away. He says, everything is coming apart. I tried, really I did. I put all my skills, I put everything I found on Google, I put every media source that I consulted, I put it all into practice and I tried, and I tried to help, I tried to do what was right, and now someone is trying to kill me. This, it's over, I'm the last one left. And you can feel like this loneliness that sits in for Elijah. And in that feeling of loneliness is also the feeling of desperation. And desperation is a really noisy feeling. It's a distracting feeling because I don't know if you can look back on your life, but when we're desperate, we get distracted. And when we get distracted, a lot of times we tend not to make very good decisions. For example, if you walk onto a car lot to buy a car and you don't have a car and you have to have one that day, they can tell. They know you have to walk out with a product and you are a sitting duck. Or if you're trying to find a restroom on a long car trip and you know you have to stop, just any place will do. Or if you're trying to get to work when you know you missed your train or your bus, you'll do about whatever it takes to get there. If you want to jump on the back of a truck and ride, whatever it might be. At our moments of desperation, when things are coming apart, when the noise is distracting us, we start looking for any solution possible. And a lot of times we want the big, powerful solutions at that moment. We want something to take care of everything. For Elijah, he's desperate and he's distracted. And God says, why are you here? And he said, I'm, I'm here because I'm done. And God says, listen, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord's about to pass by. This is a big deal. And then there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. The Lord wasn't in the earthquake either. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. When we're desperate, when things are noisy and out of control, when they're coming undone, we start looking for power and control. We start looking to overwhelm circumstances. In those moments, we want God to come as a mountain shredding wind, to just fix everything. We want God to come as an earthquake and unsettle the obstacles in front of us. We want God to burn and burn right through the chaos and get this moment over with. But there's this important repetition in the passage. It said, but the Lord wasn't in the wind or the earthquake or the fire. Instead, after the fire, there was a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out 
and he stood at the entrance of the cave. He knew that the silence was where God was. Now, you've got to pause for a second there and say, wait, he heard silence? How do you do that? I've never heard silence before. It's not that he heard silence. It's that he heard what that sheer silence, what that quiet brought. He heard peace. He heard rest. He heard the settling of everything around him. What he heard was a quiet that put all the other sounds in order, even if just for a minute. See, in the practice of quiet, I have a chance to turn down the chaos volume on the world to zero, to put in order all the sounds around me. Quiet helps us learn to listen well, which is how we love well. Loving well helps us unravel the tangles we experience in life. You cannot love someone if you can't listen to them. Practicing this quiet on a daily basis gives us the ability to hear those we love clearly and attend to what is going on. How many times our kids say something vital to us in a moment when we're not expecting it and we're not paying attention. Practicing quiet gives us this ability to live without distractions and to engage the life around us in a healthy way. So many problems come from that. The philosopher Blaise Pascal said, all of humanity's problems, it's a little broad, but all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. See, what quiet does is it gives us the ability to sit with all the things flying through our heads and order that sound so that God can teach us something bring something to light, even when it's chaos, even when things are coming undone, and even when maybe somebody's seeking our life or we feel like something's seeking our life. It puts things in order. Practicing this quiet reorients us to what matters most, reorients us to God, to self, and to others. And I don't know about you, but I have desperately needed that over the last three months, to, to just shut down the noise for even a moment and to learn that there's a sound sound that isn't panicked, that isn't afraid, that isn't unsteady. It's a sound from a kingdom that isn't in trouble, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom where you and I, regardless of our race, regardless of our gender, regardless of our circumstances, are invited to live, a place where Jesus invites us to experience life and life to the fullest. And what has happened is that after a few days of practicing the quiet, I can take the quiet with me. And now I can hear everything around me just a little bit differently. My wife and I take a walk every day. It's been a great practice for us during this whole season of stay at home and quarantine. And a lot of times it gives us a chance to check in with each other and see how we're doing. And we were walking the other day and we noticed something on the sidewalk. And my wife hates bugs, so she was immediately freaked out. But there were all these shells and so, of course, since I didn't know what was going on, I Googled it, because if you don't know what's going on, Google probably does. And what I found out and what I realized is what I thought it was was actually true, is that here in the northern part of Illinois, every 17 years, it's cicada season. These little bugs that pop up as if from nowhere, attached to the trees. And this year, get this, this year they're predicting there will be millions of them in our area as if this year needed another like dystopian plague sort of thing. And so what's going to happen here in the next few weeks is we're going to hear this grinding sound in the trees at night. 
this buzzing, and sometimes it's almost a comforting sound. But the story of the cicadas is actually deeper than that. See, the sound that I am beginning to hear and that soon will reach like a deafening level in the next few weeks out in the darkness in the nearby trees is actually made by creatures that have spent the last 16 years, 16 years, a whole kid that can drive, at least here. They've spent that last period of time buried just beneath the ground, about two feet to be exact feeding from the roots of the trees. For the last 16 years, we've been walking over top of all these tiny bug-like organisms. That's freaky, isn't it? They've been gaining strength. They've been gaining life. They've been waiting, waiting for the right moment to take over the, no, to come out of the ground. And so when the cicadas are at full voice in the next few weeks, you can't really choose not to hear them. Like they're there, they're deafening. But this year when I hear them, I hear something different. When I now know is what it takes for those sounds to come out into the world, that it's been a 16 year project just waiting for these things to come to life. It's to hear that life has been waiting to emerge for all this time. No matter what's happened on the surface, underneath there's this life that's just waiting for its curtain call. It's to know that God's created world is at work even if we can't see it. For me, practicing quiet is what prepares me to hear when life finally emerges. And not just to hear an annoying sound in a tree, but to hear a project that tells me that God is at work even when it doesn't seem like he is. And I want to be ready to not only hear it, I want to be prepared in my heart to be quiet enough, not only to hear when life emerges, when God brings new life in the middle of the circumstances that I'm in and that you're in and that we're in. I also want to be able then to do my part to bring the sound of life into my little corner of the world. What I'd love to do now is just lead you in a practice of quiet if I can. And so to begin, I'm going to ask you to, to take a comfortable posture. If you're sitting, just put your feet on the floor flat and sit up. Don't, you know, don't get too tight to where you feel stiff, but just comfortable, but keep your shoulders up. I want you to shut off any of your devices, put it on airplane mode or do not disturb, whatever it might be. Turn off your notifications. Manage the sound around you as much as possible. I just want you to take that practice, that posture for this practice. And just start paying attention to your breath. Big, deep breath in. And then let that breath out. You can close your eyes if you want. If you're feeling sleepy, that might not be the best idea. Whatever's comfortable for you. Start taking those deep breaths in and letting those breaths out. And as you do that, listen to the sounds that are around you. Because even with all of your devices turned off, there's going to be sounds in the room that you're in. And as you hear those sounds, what's behind them? A lot of times in my practice of quiet, my daughter will turn on the fan in her bathroom. And even though it's really loud and kind of distracting, it leads me to think, that's my daughter in there. I wonder what today holds for her. It's a sound that reminds me of something life-giving, something important. 
And so as you listen to the sounds around you, ask yourself this question, what is alive? Where is God active in the sounds that I hear right now? Take a second in silence here and just listen. now in the middle of the quiet, pay attention to what you hear in your mind. What are some thoughts that are coming to mind for you? Listen to your body. Where is there tension? Where is there discomfort? Where is there tightness? God made your body, and a lot of times he speaks to us through our bodies. So just listen to what your body might have to say. What do you feel in your spirit? What do you hear in your heart, in your soul? In the midst of whatever circumstances are going on around this quiet moment, what are you being inspired to do? invited to do. Take a moment and listen to what you're hearing from your body, from your mind, from your spirit. God, for this brief moment of quiet, we haven't spent nearly enough time, but we've started the process. So I pray for those watching. I pray for whatever chaos they feel is creating noise and distraction around them, for whatever tensions they sensed in their minds and their bodies. I pray that you would turn the volume down and remind them that you, you weren't in the wind or the earthquake or the fire, but you are in the sheer silence, the sound of peace, the sound of everything coming to rest. May they protect a time every day, every other day, whenever, where they can enter into that sheer silence and rest in you so that they can hear each other better, so they can hear from you better so they can listen to themselves better as you lead us on this journey of becoming the kind of people that you designed us to be. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's been good to be with you all. Have a great week. Peace.